Welcome to episode 32 of the Daniel Yoris podcast with today's guest, Gary Martinez. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I'm joined today by Gary Martinez, a father, a speaker, an author, and a personal trainer who's focused a lot on helping autistic children, which is something that's very interesting, very relevant, probably more relevant than many of us know in our regular day-to-day lives. So it's an important topic that I'm personally interested to learn about based on my previous experience with coaching young children and young athletes, as well as just you know what will come in the future for me. So Gary, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Daniel, so much for having me on. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to finally get this going. I know we connected a couple months ago while I was still in Florida. I was like hectic all over the place and I really wanted to get it done. But then I was just like, hey, okay, we got to give this the space it needs. So here we are. But uh, yeah, it's it's good to get into it, man. Um, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit more of your, your kind of background and what you do, and then we'll jump into the details. Yeah. So kind of, you did a really good job with that. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a dad of two. I have two kids. I have a uh, 11-year-old son named Christian and Monica is uh, 15 years old. And um I'm a fitness trainer and I started in 2012 and I was working at a big box gym. So I was working at the YMCA, like immediately after I finished my, my school internship over there, they're like, do you want a job? So I was like, yes. <laughs> so I worked there for a couple of years and, uh, I decided that I wanted to be an independent trainer, which just basically means for people who are like, what does that mean? It's just, I'm working with clients but I'm doing it uh, at my own locations. So I left the big box gym. And I, the, there's a couple of reasons why I wanted to become an independent trainer. And that is number one, to actually be able to serve more populations, uh, help more people in different um, aspects. And uh, of course, was uh, the big one is to be more available for my daughter who has, who has autism. And I wanted to just be able to have more flexibility in my schedule and provide her more support. So that was the, uh, the big, the big leap they say when we take to jump into the entrepreneur world. And that's what I did. And I'm, you know, I'm still standing as a fitness trainer and, um, just that's what I'm up to right now. And I have some other projects going on, of course, but it's just to, uh, to help out our autistic population. Right. Of course. No, it's, Jump, taking that jump is is a definitely a big one, and I'm you know a, a few years behind you. I'm I'm sort of just getting into that now. You know, the past year or so, taking that leap from the security to hey, do it all in your own, figure it out for yourself. You know, there's no one to tell you. Here's the client, train the client, get your you know your hourly fee, and that's that. So yeah, it's definitely a good one. But you know, th- the whole point of it is that you free up your time in a sense. And you're just more in control of your time so that you can take care of the things that you want to do in your life or the things that you need to do in your life, like taking care of your daughter and, and all the other family stuff and anything else that you want to do in the world, right? Right, exactly. And you and you know, it's all on your shoulders because like you said, you're your own boss. So it's up to you to have that discipline daily to treat it as to treat what you do as a job. And, you know, you gotta keep that, you gotta keep that uh that pace going. Yeah, I think it's for me, it's also something that, you know, if, I, if you know, you, when you're a kid, you think that, or people say, what would you do if you didn't have to make money? If money didn't matter, like, what would you do? Like, I think I'm pretty sure that I would do this because it's not like, you know, being a trainer is the most uh, lucrative job in the world. Like, sure, you can, you know, you can do very well and make a lot of money, but, you know, you're not graduating from school and just, you know, in a cushy job making one or 200K a year. That's not, that's not how it works. Uh, so it's not, it's not in that sense, but, but it's like, yeah, if I was 
and I have to wake up and do the things that I want to do and treat myself like a professional, like a job. I have to sometimes remind myself that, oh yeah, as much as I love doing this, it is also like my work. (laughs) Right. Right. And then with that being said, it's like, we, we now tend to fall in the, the back of the line where we're providing so much value for our people, our clients that now it's our job for ourselves to make sure we fit in a workout for ourselves, provide ourselves that own self-care. So for me, I've had to learn how to discipline myself to get up early when it's dark, of course, and get ready before my kids are ready. That way I'm prepared and I'm ready to win the day. And that means doing something physical, you know, and I do like a stretch routine or some exercises to, to get that feeling with my brain and body. So it's organized and, and ready to go like really quickly. Like I, it's just what you said. Like, um, if we didn't make any money, would you still be doing this? And the answer for me is yes to the fitness part. And also, uh, the project of course, that I'm up to right now. And that's because, you know, we live it every day and I was a air force brat growing up. So we lived in Australia for two years and then we moved back to the States in the early eighties. So I'm giving up my age right here. So (laughs) one of the first movies that I watched was Rocky Mm three. And since then to right now, I still watch the Rocky movies, any Stallone movies. I'm into Rambo and all that because I admire the story, the underdog story, the hard work that he puts in and just, you know, how really good shape he was in. I wanted to be in good shape like that. That was something that was very therapeutic to me and it made me feel good. And then, you know, years down the road, I was like, something just like I saw a sign, like, and it was a sign in my head also that, you know, you need to, you need to become like a personal trainer. You need to help people um, with exercise and not only for a healthy lifestyle physically, but mentally also. And that's, that is uh, just, I think it's huge right now for the world is a lot of us right now, we need that, that good, positive mindset and to uh, embrace that. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I've said this, you know, from from the beginning of the podcast and from anyone who knew me before the podcast and before I was, you know, quote unquote a public figure. But exercise is cool, like getting jacked, trying to be, you know, trying to look like Stallone in in the Rocky movies, like that's awesome. Like you get shredded, that's great. But it's that's not the thing that really like is gonna keep you going, right? It's it's all the other stuff. It's how it makes you feel, how it, you know, impacts the rest of your life. And, you know, avid listeners of the podcast will know that I say this every single episode, but these are the things that matter the most, no matter what. And anyone who's exercised or trained for a significant amount of time will would tell you the same, I think. And it sounds like you know, for you, Gary, it's, it's exactly the same. It's like the Rocky movies were the thing that got you going and, and got you into this world, but they're probably not really the thing that kept you here. It's all of the stuff that impacted your life is what made you make this a career. Yeah. And another thing is like, uh, when we're coming out of personal training school, the majority of us, I want to say, we're like, oh man, I want to work with athletes. Like that is the big thing to do. And that was me. That's what I wanted to do. But that changed for me. And what happened was, when I did this internship at the YMCA, you know, you had to get X amount of hours be- so you can get signed off so you can graduate. And basically what they told me up there is like, they were just really nice people. They said, hey, this is the, uh, the group class schedule. Take whatever you want, get your hours done. So I took every single class, you know, there's cardio, there's Zumba, there's all these hit classes, everything, everything. The one that grabbed my attention the most was uh, Silver Sneakers. And silver sneakers, for people who don't know what that is, that's a class that's geared for mainly older adults. So you go into the classroom and there's a chair set up and they use different kinds of equipment like resistance bands, you know, lighter dumbbells, uh, like a sponge ball and some other tools. 
And we put that like underneath our chair so we can pull it out as the instructor tells us, you know, what, what we're going to use next. What I really liked about that was I would see all these older people come in with this just this amazing spirit. Like they really wanted to be there and take care of themselves. So they would come in there with their canes. They'll come in there on their wheelchairs. They'll come in there on their walkers with their oxygen tanks. And they're like pumped up. They're fired up. You know, it's the culture. I love the culture. Yeah. Everybody was very supportive of each other. And what I, what happened was I liked that, but I liked learning something different. Like you can learn exercises that you can modify for people because it wasn't, it was mainly older people, but sometimes there was younger people that came in there because they came off of like an injury. So they're mm -hmm. trying to rehab. And that's kind of what has helped me work with different populations for various reasons. And now with the uh, autistic population. So that was, that was my came. Uh, my game changer right there that, you know what, I, I just want to work with people who, who need like extra help. Right. No, that's, that's huge. And I had a somewhat similar experience when I was in school. I, um, I volunteered at a hospital and what the, what the volunteer position was, was working in the trauma ward of the hospital. And I would go around to the, you know, the individual rooms and do a set of exercises with the patients who were, who were in the hospital. And it was like, you know, the most basic stuff ever. I was unqualified and whatever at the time I was just a student volunteer, but it was like, you know, just moving their arms around, you know, flexing their quads and like just very like the most minimal movement. But for those people who were, you know, in bed, could barely walk, they were, you know, had been in some sort of accident or whatever it was, you know, that was like a great part of their day. They see this, you know, young kid come in and who has a smile on their face and who's going to help them like move around and like, okay, I feel better now. And we have a little, you know, chit chat for 10, 15 minutes and, and it was great for them. But for me, like on the technical side, and I probably didn't really realize it at the time, just cause I was like young and too immature to really mm -hmm. <laughs> process it fully. But, you know, I had to modify what I was doing, even though, you know, that little piece of paper that I had said, you know, make them move their arm like this. And, you know, maybe that person couldn't move their arm like that. And so, you know, I was just in the room looking around. There's no one there but me. Okay, figure it out. Make it make them do an exercise that is going to work for them. And so, you know, when that very limited population, you have to think on your feet for that. It's much easier to sort of like think on your feet in a, you know, fully able-bodied, young, healthy person who doesn't have like who wasn't in just a car accident. Right. And how you modify an exercise for that person. It, it helps you a lot as a trainer, I think, to work with these specialized and specific populations that have various limitations. That's awesome, man, because I mean, that's like real life right there. Like we're going to mm -hmm. get hit with a lot of, you know, life comes at you hard. We're going to hit get hit with stuff that we don't see coming. It's totally different. And like you said right there, like you had to learn how to pivot and adjust and work on the fly. And it was all on you. You had to come up with a solution. And I think that's what really helps us grow as a person with helping, helping to serve others in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so how did this evolve then? How did you, I guess it was through your daughter, but then how did you transition into working with more of the autistic population and what does that sort of look like? Um, as I remember, it was, uh, I started to belong to support groups in my city here in Colorado Springs, um, autism and Asperger support groups. And some, you know, they, and I'll just tell you right now, it's like about, I'm going to say 85 to probably 90% all women in there. And I love that because, you know, I, I love that they're so engaged with in everything. So, you know, people ask a lot of questions and they're like, where do I go for this? Where do I go for this? And then sometimes it will pop up as, you know, my kid, for example, has very low muscle tone and we need some help with exercise. Do you know anybody? So some people will like refer me before I even see the question 
And that that started a right there where I picked up some people to work with um, in town who who are autistic. Right. And so it kind of just it came out of out of necessity. Almost people just said, hey, Gary's a trainer. He can probably do it. And then you kind of just sort of, you know, you figure it out as you go. But, you know, we very rarely start off as the expert, quote unquote, in whatever you know population that we want to work with. But that's awesome, man. Yeah, it's definitely a different way. It's a different tune. Like, for example, today I worked with a client. Uh, he's a old, he's a he's an adult. He's a ver- really young adult. He's autistic and he's, he's a really cool guy. So like the workouts are a little different, like we get it done, but it's it's very unique and it's very creative. So like, for example, like our warm up, warm up, you know, when we're doing our, our stretches and all that kind of stuff. OK, sorry about that. Yeah. What we do first, we walk three laps around the gym and we warm up by talking about his favorite subjects what is important to him because he's repetitive about things that he wants to talk about so i have to give him you know i have to give him that stage and i get to learn i and you know i get to learn about what his likes are so i ask him questions and i dig and he's happy and he's engaged so once we finish that third lap and then we go into the stretching part and then after that we start our workout now this is pretty funny for us so I work out together with them because he likes that. So all the scripts, all the templates are out the window. When you work with people like this, mm-hmm. like you did, you got to adjust and pivot. So, you know, you get to learn what their special interests are. So when we work out, like I have it down for him, like, okay, we're on this machine. It's, you know, it's at this height, it's at this weight and so forth. So he has, you know, the good adjustments, the good form, and he's, he's knocking it out. Boom, boom, boom. The funny part is, is that when it's my turn and we do this on purpose, he wants to surprise me. So he's like, Hey, Gary, like, yeah. He's like, can you turn around for a minute? Because I want to, I want to set up your, your turn. So most of the time when I turn around and I can see the machine, I'll I'll close my eyes real briefly. And then I'll get on the machine because I don't want to see what he put on there. So what, what happens most of the time is he puts on the heaviest weight in the gym (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I'm like puffing and puffing like, and he's just cracking up and cracking up. So what I do before I go work out with him a lot of times is I'll do a workout prior in the morning so I can get mine in because I know when I go into our workout, I might not be able to hit all the exercises at, you know, at full capacity. Right. Sometimes he'll trick me and I'll finish with this. Sometimes he'll trick me and he'll start laughing and it kind of gives it away. So I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So I get back on the machine, whatever it is we're doing, and I'm expecting a heavy weight. So I'm ready to like, you know, dig deep and push with all my power. I start to do that and I'm, and I feel like, oh my gosh, he put, he took all the weight off. So (laughs) I I practically like, it's like, I'm going to fly into a wall or something because I'm ready to push hard and we're just like cracking up. So that's how we roll. But then, you know, we get, we get all of our exercises and I just keep it really simple with what we do. Right. No, that's amazing. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's very obviously so much about the personal relationship that you have with that individual. If you went there, you know, your stereotypical trainer, you know, your clipboard and okay, we're doing exercise, you know, one, two, three, and these are the weights. And, and, you know, what if, you know, the, the client says, uh, or, you know, they're just having an off day. They don't want to do that. They refuse to do that machine that day. 
well then, you know, you can't just stick to that clipboard. You got to make it work with them and getting his interest, seeing how he's doing that day. What did he have for dinner last night? What TV show did he, you know, whatever it is that, that he's got going on or she's got going on is, is the most important part of, 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 of all of this. And it's probably, and correct me if I'm wrong here. I mean, this is important for any type of client, but it's probably just uh, highlighted or exaggerated in, in an autistic client. Yeah. Exactly. Like another exercise we do real quickly is like, we'll use resistance bands. You know, there's different colors on the resistance bands for the strength. And we use uh, like the neon green and we use the red one. So the neon green is for Luigi from Mario Brothers. The red one is for Mario and he wants to be Mario. So what we do with that is like, I bring in these different tools. Like I make us, we've we've, uh, progressed in time very gradually to use to get off machines and use different equipment. So, you know, we use resistance, resistance bands also. So we'll anchor it on something. And so he's Mario, I'm Luigi, and then we'll knock out like a back row. Right. So it's just making it a little more colorful, you know, adding some flavor, changing, changing the names of something. And it just makes him feel more comfortable because we're in his world. Right. No, that's amazing. And, and it just speaks again to being a human first and like, you know, a trainer second, like, you know, as a trainer, okay, we've got to get some back exercises in today. But if you're just going to sit there and be like, okay, we're doing these three back exercises, like that's pretty boring. He's not going to like you and anyone's not going to just like that if that's all it is. But if you can just relate it to them, then, then, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. That's amazing. Yeah, you got it. You nailed it. So let's take a little bit of a step back and, and help me and, and anyone listening to this understand a little bit more about what autism is and and what the spectrum means if and i'm i'm sure that we've all heard of it before but give us a little bit more of a definition for someone who knows a little bit more than than the average okay person. so our our kind of give like uh just like a, a short handful of characteristics yeah because like you said there's a wide spectrum so like like one of the big things is that autistic kids you know they are it's a, a developmental delay as far as being social and communication so we may not want to have a direct conversation with you because we can't. And there is a, a fraction of the population who's nonverbal, so they can't even talk. Um, another thing is, is that it may be too much for us to talk to you. It's like too much information to process because they can read you. They can read your vibe. They can read everything about you. Is that, is that amplified? So, so what happens is they go the other direction and they'll go into a room by themselves and they'll repetitively talk to themselves because that's way, uh, that's one way for them to kind of relax and focus and feel better because that conversation is just going to be too overwhelming for them. Um, some kids, it's really hard to talk directly to a person. Like they can maybe talk to you, but they have to turn to the side because it's so hard for them to look at you directly. It's kind of like the sun, like if I were to look at the sun for a period of, you know, more than a few seconds, that's going to hurt. That's going to, it's going to burn. That's what it, that's what it feels like for an autistic kid when they can't do that. They can look away and they can still have that conversation with you. Um, another part is, is that they may not be able to just have a normal conversation. Like we said earlier, they're going to talk about their, their interest or special interest topics. Like if they're into let's say it's a certain movie or a certain game, they're going to talk about that repetitively. So our job is to kind of like ask the parent questions, see what you can do to help instead of saying, oh man, that's kind of, that's kind of strange or whatever. So what I do with people is um, I turn 
that situation more into a friendship. And I tell people, you know, we, you know, we started out nonverbal. This is why our, our voice sounds like this. So what you want to do is you want to talk to my daughter about this subject first that gets her attention and then start to ask one question to her, like make it really simple. And then if she's comfortable with you and you create a bond, then you can start to have a, a, uh, a conversation about a, you know, a normal topic. Right. And you just got to kind of ease into it because when they talk about their special interests, that's what we like to call a sensory anchor. So they kind of use that throughout the day. Like if they're feeling overwhelmed or something in the environment is triggering them that may set them off into a fight or flight situation, they're going to go into their mode of uh, being repetitive with something that fascinates them. So we, we have to respect that. So what I do, and I like this one right here, I got this one just from being fitness professional is that we warm up before we work out because we know the benefits, you know, we get the body temperature ready, you know, our, our mobility, our range of motion is going to be better when we do our exercises and we're prepared. So what we do is we do our like repetitive things that we like in the morning, let's say we're going to school and we'll, we'll do that warm up routine to prepare us for all these transitions that happen in the world. So we may talk about something that we like or watch a video then we'll actually do some sensory play activities. That's our format of exercises, but we've, we've created our own exercises too. So I also put in some, some fitness exercise in there. And then the body and brain is now being organized and more prepared for today. So we can, you know, focus, be more relaxed and be more prepared. Um, so that's, that's what we have to do. Right. Interesting. There's, there's a few things I want to, I want to touch on there, but and and just for clarification on my own on my own end here, it sounds it, it's hard to paint this with a with a you know by a broad stroke. It's it's very individualized. Each uh, individual who presents on the autism spectrum will have different uh, things that need to be catered to. And so, someone like you mentioned, just to repeat it, it may not you know may be fully uh, functional in every way, but they just can't make eye contact with you. They may not be able to speak. They may have whatever it is, but it's it's up to, you know, the people that interact. And this is, you know, even outside of fitness, just like friends, teachers, coaches, you know, whatever, uh, you know, you've got to cater to that person and what, what it is that they've got going on. But there's no way to say like, okay, if, you know, person A has uh, autism, then do this. Like you can't really, that's not, that's not a fair thing to say, correct? Yeah. So like, for example, like if we're at school or if we're at some other place and, um, they're with a, a professional, another professional, and the professional's like, um, hey, you know, Mr. Martinez, uh, Monica's walking in circles. Um, she's she's doing that a lot. She's not stopping, actually. Um, you know, what can we do about that? So that's where I like to share information with, uh, whether it's a teacher or whatever. And I say, okay, you know, yeah, thanks for telling me that. So can I, can I come over there and demonstrate something to help her out? And also for you to use as a tool, so I would just say, you know, if we're doing this, then what we can do is uh, offer this tool. Like we can do another, we can do a, a, some kind of play activity to help her out. Maybe she has to hold on to a hopper ball, which is like the big fit ball that we use in the gyms. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the hopper ball has got a handle. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So when she's bouncing up and down, that's one of her go-to tools. And like you said, everyone's different. So this is something that we like. So when she's hopping and bouncing and getting her groove on, um, she's getting all this body awareness to her. And after an X amount of time, and it's been said that if you can do something like that, up to 15 minutes of doing various activities for their body systems inside them, 
that they can have actually what's up to about a six to eight hour more of a fluid day. So it's like very beneficial, like play breaks. You don't want to take away play breaks, you know, recess like that. You don't want to take it away. Mm-hmm. You you want to ask the parent, like, you know, how many times a day did he usually like, you know, do activities or whatever? And it's and then you want to find that out so you can offer that throughout the day so they can, you know, get that that self-regulation, that relaxation that they need, that their their body's craving all this input. And you want to make sure that they get it so they can perform good. And um, that way it's a win-win on both sides. Right. And it sounds to me, you know, the way that I would uh, maybe describe it is that these kind of uh, play activities are almost like hitting the reset button. You know, uh, or, you know, some of us might like to do a meditation or you just take, you know, a single deep breath to like, okay, clear my head. I can move on with my day. Someone else might need a little bit more of an input. Like you're saying, it's like, okay, we've got to talk about, you know, my favorite TV show and that's just going to, you know, rewire me and, and get me back to like, you know, focus to where I need to be or, you know, whatever the, whatever the thing is for that individual. Right. Yeah. That is a perfect, perfect analogy right there exactly the way you said it, that helps them reset and uh, it can prevent a lot of things, you know, and then that just, it's just to their benefit to make sure that they get that play break. Cause for the majority of autistic kids, most of us have um, sensory processing disorder, which means that they have, they have problems and issues trying to calm themselves down because their body and brain are not connecting like they should. Like one analogy is like a, a therapist said, an occupational therapist was like, you know, pretend like someone is spinning, we'll say me, someone's spinning Gary like very super fast on a merry-go-round in the park, really fast. And when it's finally done and I have to get off, the way I feel is like I'm dizzy, number one, and I'm trying, I'm trying to collect myself. So that's kind of what a kid goes through every day when they wake up with uh, sensory right. problems and issues. So that's why they need this, you know, this recipe, this diet of some activities that's customized to them that we know that they like because we have to know what ones that they like not everyone's gonna like to swing <laughs> not everyone's right. not, not gonna like to bounce on a trampoline some may like something more or less active they may want to put their hands in sand they may want to play with play-doh to get the input that they need for their body right and again correct me if i'm wrong is that also highly individualized or are there some sort of consistencies uh with what activities are you know serve as that reset yeah. Um, like for us, I know it works for us. It's kind of like, you know, when you go to occupational therapy, if you have these sensory issues, you're going to actually learn from the, uh, the therapist, you know, if you're allowed in there, like we had a choice, like they're like, okay, you can drop your kid off and come back in an hour. You can, you can, you know, sit in the waiting room and read magazines and just, you know, just waste an hour yeah. or you can go in there. I chose to go in there because I didn't know anything about autism when we were diagnosed. I knew nothing. Just said my daughter was nonverbal, she couldn't talk, and she was having these vicious meltdowns where she would beat herself up and then knuckle the ground up and she would arch her back like a rocking chair. And I couldn't help her, you know, that that's panic mode. It's not a worse feeling as a parent to not know how to help your child. Right. So when we were given that first direction, first step, like, hey, OT is one of your first things. Oh yeah, I went in, I said, yes, yes. Okay. I went in there with books and pens and everything. And I wrote down everything that was working for us. And I made sure that I wanted to continue that homework at home. Right. So that's where that was the first um, lesson for me is what's actually helping uh, my daughter, Monica, out. And then like and then later on, like I said, as we started to evolve and get interested in other things and kind of learn what other activities help us, then we just kind of 
we keep evolving. Right. And so that's a good kind of topic that I wanted to get into with you is, is the, is the meltdowns and these type of, uh, you know, tantrums, if you will. Um, I don't know if that's correct terminology, but, uh, but, um, I think we're on the same page. So how do you, how do you interrupt that and then, and then bring them back once they've kind of gone too far into that meltdown stage? Like what's, what's that like from, right. from the parents, so the, teachers? Uh, view? Like the traditional thing is like, we give them space when they're having a meltdown It's you know, we want to leave them alone because when they have a sensory meltdown, um, it's, that's a, it's a chemical imbalance in the brain. So it's not their fault. Right. Some something triggered that, you know, it could be loud noises. It could be some type of smell. It could be really bright lights. It could be unpredictable weather, whatever the case may be, it triggers them and they lose it. And they're going at it for a long time. You know, they may be, they could be spitting. They could be beating themselves up. Like we said earlier, they could throw themselves on the ground. They could run away. They can want to hit other people. A lot of different things that happens and it can last, like I say, it can last a while. And when it's done, it can, you can still have like side effects, like a, like an earthquake. You can still have tremors. Like you can have something later in the day, the following day to a week or more, if you're not giving them that, uh, those activities that they need to help them repair and recover. Right. So yeah. Um, to go back to the meltdown part, like you're supposed to give them that space, offering them like a, re- a safety retreat like somewhere real, real quiet, like in a corner, maybe like a big storage container or a tent. Like you set up this real nice retreat, maybe some soft music, some, some nice pillows, some blankets, things that they like and they love. Um, so they can go and just chill out and just start the recovery process. So that's what we had to do in the beginning. But then later I was, I learned and, you know, I learned from Monica what she really likes to do, what helps her. And one big thing that we like is uh, pretend play. So she's very fascinated with uh, Disney characters and specific movies. Uh, all the all the girls, like the princesses and all and all those sorts of uh, people in the movies. So we were having this meltdown one time at the park, and I remember it was crowded. And I'll let you know I'm an introvert, by the way. So I had to learn how to break out of my shell and advocate, and you know, be be an athlete of life for my daughter. So what I did was I I was around the playground, like I was like walking to get my little activity in. And then I heard that screaming and I was like, oh, that's Monica. So I, I, I went all the way up to the top of the playground and she's in that state of mind where she's saying stuff like, I hate myself. I hate myself. I'm going to cut your head off, dad. And she's like, oh, and she's starting to stiffen up where she's about to start to, and she did start to attack herself. But when I heard that screaming, my sole decision was like, throw away the wait till it's done thing you know, some tools that can help her. So I went against the grain and I'm not telling people to do that, but I knew on this day that, you know what, things are going to change. So I zoomed up there and um, I learned from a body language coach that, you know, you want to match people's tone and some other tips. Mm -hmm. So I started talking about one of her favorite movies, like Frozen. And I'm like, and she does not like when the villains mess with her favorite peeps. So I was like, oh my God. So I was matching her, her tone of voice. So I was like, oh my God, Monica, uh, I can't believe that Hans put Elsa in a dungeon and you know made up these stories about it. It wasn't her fault. She just couldn't control her powers right now. So then she took off and then Anna went to go help her out because she knows that her sister wasn't trying to hurt her. So that started to turn the the mindset of Monica that now she got interested as I was talking about something that she liked and loved. Right. And then to take it a step further, 
I saw a soccer net on the grass about 50 yards away. And I thought of another movie. I was like, uh, oh, whoa. <laughs> Every time I do like a, that kind of part right there, Monica leans in and, and she's, she's concerned. So I was like, whoa, Monica, like, wow, Monica, that soccer net over there, that, that's actually, um, the, who is it? That's actually Ursula, the evil octopus in a Little Mermaid movie. So the net is her tentacles. Right. So she wants to take Ariel's voice, the mermaid, because if she takes her voice and has her sign that paper to, to sign off on it, then she gets to marry the prince, not Ariel. So I was like, do you want to go help Ariel? Because she's trapped in her tentacles. Monica's not a runner. And she was like, yes, dad, let's go. So we ran to that soccer net. And I used that prop as a way to do an activity, physical activity, to, to put the, the frosting on the cake to get her out of the meltdown. So her brother and sister were there on that day coming on bikes. And I was like, guys, come here, come here. And I was like, huddle up real quick. I was like, Monica's having a meltdown. We're going to use this net as Ursula's tentacles. Pretend that she grabbed us and she trapped us and call Monica to rescue you. And then keep falling down. Let's make her work. Let's make her get some exercise and help her out quicker. So we're like, oh, Monica. So we, you know, we started to put on, put on my little acting dust. <laughs> like, oh, Monica. Oh my God. She got me. Wow. I fell down. And then Monica's like, she wants to rescue, you know? So she's bending down like in a squat. So she's squatting down. She's pulling, right? So she's doing like another exercise. And then I fall down again on purpose. Like, oh my God. Oh, whoa. <laughs> and then, so Monica's now she's starting to laugh. She's like, dad, get up, get up, get up, get up. So she's pulling me up. So she, I'm making her work. So she's getting this full body um, activity that her body's craving right now. And then her brother and sister do the same thing. So within a couple of minutes, it's over. And she is now out of the meltdown and she's happy. And then she grabs my hand and says, dad, let's go. I'm like, where? And she's like, back to the playground. So we went back to the playground and she did her favorite thing in the world, which is swinging. So she was swinging. And then we started to sing songs because we add spice to when we we're doing swinging. Uh, just a bonus up to make Monica just feel, you know, thrive more. And then we heard this, we heard, uh, and then I saw what happened. It was just like a, like a little kid just barely fell a little bit, but he was, you know, the ground was cushioned right there. The parents jumped in and they, uh, they helped him out. And Monica was like, dad, what happened? You know, I was like, oh, Monica, um, I went to a low tone. I was like, this little kid accidentally fell. He's okay. His parents are right there. They helped him and he's doing much better. And then Monica was like, oh, okay, dad, because I was, she was starting to get concerned. So that's how you know Monica's back to Monica. So that's that's how we got out of a meltdown that time. And then since then, that's how we got out of them. And then now we don't we don't really have we don't really have meltdowns anymore. It's been a while. That's incredible. That's a that's an that's an amazing story. That's almost like it's it's a lot to process, but that's that's truly incredible. The way you just like kind of thought of that and used the you know the environment around you as as props and thinking on your head. Obviously, she's your daughter, so you know her well, and you know the things that she likes and she doesn't like, and the you know the the movies and whatnot. But but that's amazing. And 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 just to you know zero in on the exercise portion of this and and you know the fitness side of it. It sounds to me like the the exercise, you know, the pulling the net, the squatting down, that is almost like a distraction for her body. If she's going to be hitting herself, but she has to be pulling the net to save dad, now she can't use her hands to to hit herself or to, you know, do whatever else that she was going to be doing. So the story 
is something to get her into that mind and then and then the physical action of pulling the net or whatever you know exercise type of thing you can make up is a is a is again a physical distraction to to bring her back to to who she is yeah like it's like now we're fighting back against the body like oh no oh no like like we have a you know we have a pretend world like i said so whenever we're starting to have a moment where she's having an emotion or something like now um i'm like oh monica that's not you that's not you i was like take it out take it out so we call it take it out and she'll open we'll open our mouth like i'll do it too like whenever it's just how we go so she'll open her mouth and i'll take it out and i was like who was inside you and it's always we always name a villain she's like oh that was lady tremaine i was like yeah because that's not monica that's not how monica talks <laughs> i am so glad you know we got lady tremaine out of your mouth and we're back to you now real quickly to go back to the hand part is like she she's a, a real hands she's always craving stuff for her hands um and you know, hands and feet are the furthest extension from our body. So we can't feel that, you know, that we don't have any uh, deep pressure there or anything, mm-hmm. then we have to do something. So when she was pulling me up, now the hands, the wrists, the nearby, you know, body parts, forearms are all helping out. So the big one with uh, kids with sensory issues is there's, there's three um, systems and bodies that you wanna tag, that you wanna tackle. And the big one is called, well, it's a fancy word, proprioception. So they're like, when all when all else fails, prop. So I like to just like, I just tell people heavy work. Let's do some heavy work. So that was a heavy work activity because she had to pull a human off the ground. Right. You know, she had to use all her strength, her legs, her arms, her upper body, everything. And then she gets that blood flow and that oxygen. So every so you know, doing a heavy work exercise will give you more, more of a faster result to get you out of a, you know, a situation, whether it's a meltdown. Or you just see something starting to happen and you know, okay, we got to do something. It's kind of like before we get thirsty, you know, we want to drink water. So that's why throughout the day, I'll make sure and I'll ask Monica to confirm, do you want to, you know, you want to go to the playground or you want to do something and we'll, we'll, we'll try to, we'll knock things out so we don't even get to that level. It's, it's, that's the goal. Right. It, so- it sounds to me a lot of this is very similar to yoga and and the meditative aspect of yoga, not as much the physical aspect, but you know, the way that I think of yoga and not that I'm an expert in it or anything is that it's some physical activity to get us inside of our head a little bit more. So the, the actions of the, the, the yoga poses and the movements and whatever are not about getting strong and it's not, you know, that whatever might happen, but that's not what it's about. It's about using it as a meditative state. And that, and this sounds like what you're describing sounds very similar to that in in, in my eyes and kind of, you know, correct me if I'm wrong there, but it's, it's like, yeah, you're using that physical exercise as a way to, you know, recenter and bring her back. Yeah. I mean, you got it again, man. It's just like, you got to find your own yoga for you. Yeah. So like our, our former yoga could be different things. It just depends on the moment. So like, um, sometimes it's uh, like for school, for example, when we were in the younger grades, it was, I'll give her a piggyback ride. So, you know, her, she's off the ground. And now she's more aware of her body. Right. And plus the vibration, kind of like driving in a car, that vibration is, is like a nice, calm, therapeutic thing for her. So I would give her a piggyback. I would purposely park far in the parking lot <laughs> so I can give her the longest piggyback, piggyback ride possible to the school. Sometimes I'll be really sneaky and I'll get it. I would get in the school door and piggyback rider, dodge all the students all the way to her class <laughs> right to door. Class. <laughs> and um, to get that blood flow to kind of relax her is like I would go, you know, I would tilt and go all the way down and make her hands and she would touch the ground. So there's that 
you know, we will pause for X amount of seconds to get that blood flow to just help her calm down. And then we would also, I would also tilt to the sides, kind of turn into like amusement, right? So I would tilt to the sides. And then another thing that's common for her too, not for everyone, but for us it is, is to go in a circle one direction only. So it also piggyback rise and I'll turn in a few circles. Right. And like you said, that was the therapy for her to reset her mind for, you know, heading into that school that has so many things going on. Right. So another kind of line of questioning I wanted to get into, and this is a good, I think, section to, to get into it is how does all of this lead to quote unquote independence for, for Monica or for other children? Because, you know, when, when she's a, a young child, of course, you know, you or someone can be there at every moment of the day, but you know, when they go to school, like you can't be with Monica in school all day long or, or with, every, with whatever child. So how does like this kind of play and this exercise help them to, to be independent uh, going forward as they grow up? Yep. So we've got two coaches, you got myself and then I'm role playing. I'm, I'm also pretending I'm a character too. I'm pretending I'm, we'll say Elsa and we'll both talk to Monica. So I have to play the voice. And so I do the voice uh, for Elsa and we'll tell Monica, like, we'll do our, our series of activities. And then we'll say, okay, Monica, in 15 minutes, so I'm giving her a heads up because that's important. We have to now go into school. So make sure, you know, you're you're ready to do your work, okay? Because, you know, so we got the brain and the body all organized for that. Uh, I just want to backtrack for a second. Like, mm-hmm. when, we, when we started at OT, um, when we were first diagnosed, we could not. Um, even hold a pen in our hand. We cannot tie a shoe. We couldn't hold a utensil to eat. Um, and, and sorry, for, for, for context, well, for context, how, yeah. how old was she at that time? Uh, when you got around diagnosed? that time of therapy, we were, let's see, around seven to eight. Okay. Um, cause it kind of went into the other year, the next year. And, um, so we didn't have those fine motor skills to be independent, to learn how to do simple things. Like we couldn't even uh, hold a, a piece of food right? because of that low muscle tone. And we didn't have those, those type of life skills at that time. So we had to do exercise to build that independence. I mean, we were using like, like a, like a pizza platter and I would put, um, what's it called? Theraputty, Theraputty on there, spread it out like a pizza and then take a really fat, um, paintbrush, flip it upside down with the brush up here, hold on to it and start doing like practicing writing letters and things like that to start to build that strength up so right. we can be independent. So now, you know, when she goes to school at first, we couldn't even last half a day. We would cry our eyes out. I'll get the phone call. I have to go pick her up and we're done. Um, just having a routine like this consistently, which is the key word consistently, um, is what helped her be more independent to last a half a day. And now she can last a full day. And, and now she has beautiful handwriting. Right. And now she can draw. She couldn't even do it, none of that before. But because we made sure we continue that, the stuff, she writes really nice. She journals. Um, she can now do math. So this all comes into play. Um, so she can now do math and we can go shopping at the store. Now we talk. A lot of that was like exercises to help our voice. And now we can go to the store and she likes to talk to people, have a conversation and they remember her and, and I'm watching her and be independent because I step back. Like I pay for my own stuff. 
and I let her pay for her stuff. So she has her, you know, her little wallet and everything. And she's, she's looking at them to, to ask again, you know, what was that amount again? And then she'll do the dollar bills and then she'll do the coin counting. So that's just like, it's amazing to watch, you know, that first milestone, like that first bite that we ate, that first time we, we tied our shoes and the first time we actually shopped for ourselves. Right. No, that's amazing. And to, to summarize that, it sounds like the so exercise. It's all geared at the life skills to help out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, it just, it sounds to me like it plays two roles. One is the physical changes in like developing strength and muscle tone and like motor control over one's own body, the ability to actually interact with the external world physically. And, and two, it, it sort of acts as a um, setting up for the day. If we get these exercises done in the morning, then we are more likely to have a successful day. And successful can mean just you know, it's obviously different for everyone, but successful can mean not having a meltdown today. Or, you know, we're going to get through two hours without crying. And then, you know, next week we're going to get through three hours without crying or, you know, whatever it is for, for that child's stage of development, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, in the beginning stages, I would just journal stuff and I still do stuff today. Um, it's just not as much, but we still have obstacles, but we're, we're more prepared. We're more weaponized to, to solve the problem. So I, I like to journal stuff and see what's working what's not, and then just kind of, you know, take it from there and see what we need to do right. to win. And and is all of this stuff sort of widely known amongst the parents of autistic children? Is this is this a common thing or is this, I mean, I, I you know, thankfully or, or whatever, uh, I don't have anyone that's close to me um, who is autistic, so I don't have any personal experience with it. So I'm just, this is total ignorance. But is this something that's like commonly known or is this something that more teachers and like people who are dealing with children should know about? How do we kind of go about this? Um, I think it's, well, it's more common now. You know, autism is more common. A lot of people know more about it now. But it's just um, getting together with that parent to find out like, you know, what is your, you know, what is your kid like? What do they like? What do they not like? How can we help them when they're in our hands? I think that's, that's a big, the big gap, the big bridge that we have to gap to make sure that it's a win-win on both ends for the child and for the, the teacher to um, know what to do. So it's it's always going to be a learning process and it's just finding out who's open. Some people, are, a lot of people are open, a lot of people are not. So you just have to, you got to do your very, you know, your, your absolute very best to make sure your child is prepared um, for the day when they, when they leave you. And, um, I mean, I'm pretty obsessed. I'm pretty like focused and driven where I like to get to know who our, who our new circle is and then just, you know, just um, teach them some things that can be helpful and just let them know that I'm always there. But I want it to be like where I don't, you know, I don't even need to get a phone call. Like they already know what to do. They, they have their homework and a lot of them do have some general knowledge. But as you know, like, we may have general knowledge, but we don't, we have to still get information. We still have to learn. Like you have to um, have that mindset of being open to learning because that's the only way we're going to truly impact that life is to work all together and be on the same page. Right. So I guess, so I guess a good way to kind of summarize that is it's up to the parent or the family of the individual to, you know, be proactive and sit down with the teacher or the the coach or the whoever it is to say like, hey, here is what here is what we do. Here is why we do it. Here's how it works. Here's you know what whatever. Because that that teacher again is going to be you know they should be <laughs> you'd hope in most cases willing to help out. But there's no way that they can know all the individual things about one's child. That's just obviously impossible, right? So uh, they should be curious. But you as a parent or or as a you know whatever uh, need to be 
proactive about this uh relaying that information i mean it goes back to me not knowing nothing like that scared that scared the crap out of me in the beginning i didn't know i didn't know nothing what are these words what why are we doing this why are we acting like this i didn't know nothing i was like so scared so i guess i became obsessed and i just wanted to hold myself accountable and i like putting that pressure on myself because you know monica needs that support and uh, now I'm, i'm teaching her where Okay, like when you're having a situation, Monica, and you feel like this, what's one thing that you can do to help yourself? So I keep it like really, really simple for her so she can start to learn how to advocate for herself and do things um, for herself and going back to like the teacher or whoever the professional is. Like I want to just give them like gradual, a gradual, gradual steps of who we are so they get that basic foundation first. And then, you know, then we can move into other things as, as we're, you know, getting to know my daughter. Right. Of course. We touched on this uh, a little bit near the beginning and I want you to kind of just highlight it for, for any parents out there who might be listening. And I just want you to speak about the importance of taking care of yourself as much as you need to like do a lot of work to take care of your daughter and all that stuff. If you're not healthy and you're not, you know, eating, eating well and like, you know, taking care of your own fitness, that makes it a lot harder. I would imagine to uh, give your best self for, for Monica. So Give us a little bit of, uh, you know, just kind of insight as to like what you do to take care of yourself and the importance of that uh, for your daughter. Sure. Like before I start that real quickly, is like uh, Monica and Christian, like my son, they each have, um, they have a different mother. So Monica lives a little, she's in Colorado Springs on the edge. She's like just in the next door suburb. So I have a good 20 mile drive to go get her. My son Christian, when I get him, he lives um, a little outside of Denver in a suburb. So that's almost a two hour drive. So yeah, I cannot lie to myself if I'm not getting it in, putting in the work. So for me is I have to make sure what I like to do for my routine is um, make sure that I stretch a couple of times throughout the day, um, work out, do exercises at least X amount of times a week. Um, and then, like you said, nutrition, like to me, that's the most important one because you can't fool yourself. Um, it's just making sure that I eat really good. And I will say that since September of 2019, uh, we've, we've evolved with our nutrition and everything. And we have not really had any major sick symptoms since then. So we, we do this all together as a family mm-hmm. and, uh, um, cause I keep the communication open. That's just the kind of parent that I want to be. And with Monica, she started out as a very picky eater. So a lot of, a lot of our kids just are only like, only like to eat one or two foods. And I was like, Hey man, that was me too. That was me too for a mm-hmm. long time. I, I didn't eat vegetables and fruits until I was an older adult, like just a handful of years ago. Um, so with the kids now they're in a better start position than I was. And I just teach them about the foods that we're eating and why. And for Monica, again, it's the play world where the way we overcame the picky situation was one day I was like, okay, how can I help her out? <laughs> how can we take a bite of something different? So I was like, a banana's yellow and Alice has blonde hair. So I was basically like, Monica, I'm going to eat this banana because I want Alice to keep that beautiful blonde hair and I'm going to help her out by eating this banana. So shortly in time, Monica was like, I'm going to do it too, dad. So that was the icebreaker where she now eats fruits and vegetables and so does my son. And we're really good at that. So I'm really proud of them. So for me, it's the nutrition, uh, staying active, 
And the big one for me right now is the mindset. So I, um, I like to follow a few people to help me with my, my mindset so I can just be a, a better person and overcome weaknesses because we all have weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And I want to go, I want to go like right after those weaknesses and attack them and just become a better person. Be, you know, just be better than what I was yesterday. So that's pretty much my recipe. I like to stay active. I like to, um, uh, write weekly goals, weekly goals down that I want to achieve. And just that holds me accountable. I got sticky notes all over the place. So it's, is that, is that combination of, uh, all those things right there? Yeah. Wonderful. Who, who are some of those people that you, uh, you like to follow that kind of keep you in check? <laughs> I, I, oh, I think I think I, I think I got a guess a guess of one of them, but let, let me see a few. Uh, if you, yeah, if you could... sure do. You, I bet you probably. <laughs> so the uh, the main one that I follow the most is David Goggins. <laughs> that's exactly and, uh, <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking daily, you were going to say. It's daily, it's religiously, and you know what? I'm like, you know what? I've always been repetitive myself, and I think a lot of things that are who I am kind of molded me to how Monica. So like, I listen to yeah David Goggins um, religiously throughout the day. I told you earlier, Stallone got me going with exercise and I still watch his movies throughout throughout all these years and weekly because it just it gives me what I need to. It's kind of like therapy for me. I like the stories. I like the characters. It, it builds me up. Um, uh, I follow some other different people like uh, like uh, Ray Higdon and some other people. So, yeah, it's good. It's good to have that. Uh, external uh, influence on us because you know even though we yeah, we're fitness people and we do our own you know motivation type uh, speaking if you will like you know we also need it as well and uh, I could just you know I, I had a guess that it was David Goggins was going to be one of them <laughs> just some of the some of the word choice you're using it sounds very David Goggins esque and this is second episode in a row that David Goggins uh, was was mentioned he was we talked about him in the last episode too so that's a funny one but yeah he's he's awesome um, <laughs> but yeah those people are like you know yeah we need them we need we need we need a little push too just like everybody else does. That's right. That's right. Awesome. So what do you got coming up next, man? I know you have uh, your book is out um, YouTube. Like, give me the give me the rundown of what you've got next and where people can kind of like, you know, learn um, more about you. So and everything. Right now. OK, so uh, like I said earlier, I've always been an introvert. I've always been a shy guy my whole life. So it was this bad, man. I almost flunked high school um, because I didn't want to stand up and do presentations in English class. Wow. So I, I, I would either be gone for that day or I'll just say, no, nah, I'll just take zero. So I had to repeat English twice in high school and I barely graduated. So for me, I wanted to go after one of my weaknesses. So now I'm, you know, working on being that inspirational speaker and getting on stages like right here on a podcast, um, getting on stages, um, podcasts, uh, summits, you know, sharing our, our message to the world. And then I, I created this online program um, to help autistic kids thrive naturally in school. And it's kind of like what we've been talking about this whole time, all these different natural components to to help our kids achieve that yeah, for sure no I, I definitely think that you'd be good at it. that that elsa soccer net story or the <laughs> i can't remember the what's the what was the name of the, the octopus the oh, oh oh ursula ursula yeah, yeah sorry <laughs> my, my disney princess characters are I, I do love disney movies but you know uh, <laughs> stereotypical boy uh, like the lion king and the whatever instead of the, the yep. princess ones but anyways but that story was that's an awesome one so yeah you you would definitely be great at that and and it's it's inspiring to hear that you know you you were so scared of presenting and public speaking that you almost you know didn't graduate high school and now you're pursuing that so uh oh, I, I, con- you I congratulate what? you on that it, thank you. It was so bad that I would have body spasms. Like one arm, like one side, one arm would like hook like this. My leg on the other side would do that. And then my, my um, mouth 
would slur to one side and I was stuck. I was like paralyzed for about 20 seconds, which felt like 20 minutes to me. And that's, that's how bad it was. That's, that's about as severe as I've ever heard. Yeah. I mean, it mean, it was one thing to like, every time I got up, got up from the chair and they had to call on me in class, I started to have that spasm and I couldn't stop it, man. Everyone got to see me. And then it was even worse. Like when we had a pep assembly and, you know, I was in sports and they're, and they're calling you down in, individually with the whole school there. Boom. Spotlight. So I, um, I've been doing a video of Facebook live every day since June of 2019 to work on that. Um, Amazing. to never forget where I came from and why I'm speaking to help other people. Yeah. And, and for me, again, it's, it's also, it's, it's therapeutic for me. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and another, you know, big message that I've always had for, for people and continue to say it because it's also a message to myself is that we, you know, I think it's our duty to, to share a little bit of what we know into the world. And so, you know, all the things that you've learned and all the things that you know and have experienced, it would be, you'd be doing yourself and, and I think the world a disservice to not share it. So I'm happy that you are sharing it, you know, the same way we're doing this podcast and the same way I try and do, you know, my other stuff. And it's like, yeah, all the things that we've learned, it's valuable to someone. Someone's going to get some some help out of it. Like you've certainly helped me. I don't know when it's going to help me in this this information that we've learned, but I'm I'm confident that it's going to help me at some point. And if it doesn't help me directly, you know, next week, someone who listens to this is going to hear all the stories that you've said and all the information that you've given us today and and be better equipped to help that person in their life who who needs it. Because this is something that, again, to myself is not directly applicable to my life today. But I know that in the greater world, it is uh, applicable to many, many lives. And a lot of people could be helped very much from this kind of information. All right. Okay, I'm back. You muted yourself there again. But it's, it's, yeah, but yeah. so thank you for, for sharing that. That's, that's awesome. Where can people, uh, like what's your Facebook handles, your Instagram handles and all that stuff that people can, can get you on? Okay, so on Facebook, it's uh, Gary Martinez Jr., um, on Instagram, it's the same thing. I mean, there's probably a couple of little slashes in between my name. I'll, I'll put the, I'll put the links of it in the, in the show notes. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Anywhere else that are you on all the social media platforms? What else are you on? <laughs> yeah, I'm on, I'm on YouTube, uh, same name, junior at the end, uh, TikTok, same name again, right there. Um, and I, I have some TikTok. Uh, I like to take that to another level. So I like to wear wigs and get kind of creative and kind of be goofy, but also, um, educational at the same time. Nice. Um, if you want to like just contact me directly, you can go to uh, autismstar.com. Awesome. Awesome. No, I'm man. sorry, autismstar.net. Dot net. Okay. I'll get it yep. right in the show notes for sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thanks, man. Awesome, man. Is there anything else that you kind of want to you want to leave the people with here in closing? Um, just that, uh, like you said, first of all, autism is global, and I just want people to know that there's going to be more. It's already been said there's going to be more people diagnosed with autism. So based on what we learned here today in, in the um, interview here, it's just to have patience and be patience and understanding and just to be open about that. And if uh, you know someone who has a child who's autistic and they're kind of like new parents on the block with that and they're kind of living in fear mode, my suggestion would just be tell them to um, whatever city they're in is to go into like Facebook groups that are on Facebook and look for like autism support groups, because for the most part, we, I did a lot of us, when we're first diagnosed, we feel alone in the world. Like nobody knows, nobody knows um, what we're going through. We're, we're, we're on an Island and we're scared. When you join like support groups in your local city, 
you will find out that a lot of people can resonate with what you're going through. And through that, you can start to make some friends and even your, your kid can um, start to make some friends as well. That way you don't feel alone. You got more, you got a support group, which you got people who understand you and want to, and want to be with you. And you can go to events and, and not have judgment placed on you. Right. Of course, you know, humans, uh, humans love humans and we need to, we need to do this all together and figure it all all together. So yeah, that's a great message. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Gary. I, I really appreciate it. I appreciate all the lessons you've, you've taught us today. Um, thank you to everybody for listening to the episode. I greatly appreciate your time and attention as well. Um, give Gary a follow on all the so- all the social channels. Again, all the links will be in the show notes here. Give me a follow on Instagram as well. If you have questions about anything we spoke about today, uh, feel free to reach out to either of us. We're more than happy to help you as best as we can or point you in the right direction. And while you're at it, leave a rating and review um, on iTunes for the podcast. Helps spread the message and grow this thing to help more people as many as you can. And that's it. Thank you. Love you. Have a great day.